ever been listening to your favorite podcast and think, hey, I want to start my own? Then you need Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, everyone's favorite word, free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile, and we are here for day 28 of Read a Book, Record a Podcast. And this next series is a four-part series, so it's going to carry us to the end of my 31-day challenge for myself. And it is the Rule and Cameron story, a Memphis love story, by Miss B-Love. And no, not the B-Love who eats food on YouTube and has her own sauce. It is the author who writes amazing stories her books are always happily ever afters you know there's drama in the middle but in the end the couples always come together and I love that she usually writes a lot of short stories that you know the people fall in love quickly and she always warns you at the beginning you know this is that type of story so if you don't like it you don't have to read it but I love her I think after Bianca it would be be love But anyway, I'm rambling. Let's get into it. What was it about love that made its owners try to force it upon those around them? That's what Cameron is struggling with right now. Her cousin Elle, who recently got engaged, is trying to force love down her throat, plus her uh, fiancé's brother. And they're having a small wedding in Vegas, And Cameron, at first she's with it, but then she changes her mind and says, you know, what do I look like going to Vegas with you in power and his brother? I'm going to be bored and alone. I don't know this man. He's already admitted to being crazy. I'm just going to stay here. And Elle isn't having that. You know, they're like best friends, cousins, sisters, all that. And she's like, you know, I know Rule is a bit outspoken, but he's a sweetheart. I can't get married without you being there. You're not just my cousin. You're my sister, my best friend. Please come. And even though Cameron is like fake putting up a fight, there's no way she would miss her favorite cousin's wedding for anything in the world. Even if it meant dealing with a man she only spoken to on the phone once. And he has already proved to be crazy, possessive, and probably too sexy for his own good. So she has a flashback to when she was out to eat with Elle and she's telling Elle about her latest date and why she would never see him again. And Elle tells her, you can't get mad at the man because he didn't talk crazy when someone bumped into you. I ain't saying he had to talk crazy to the guy, but I'm just saying, I don't feel like I could trust him with me. I don't feel like I can trust him to be my protector. He didn't even look at the nigga crazy. He just act like he didn't see it. And I get what she's saying. It's just like, you don't want your person to wild out. But it's just like, damn, somebody bumped into me. You ain't going to say nothing about that. Just going to let them bump into me. 
And Cameron says, that's why I deal with street niggas because they have no problem putting a nigga in check and me too. You know how my attitude is. I can't be with a man that holds back. And Elle says, you know, I don't want you with a street guy anymore. I can't be with no other type. I can't find me a man like Power, one that used to be in the street but is on his good guy swag now. I wouldn't mind that kind. What if I could get... What if I could get you someone like Power? Someone like who? His brother. You mean to tell me this nigga had a brother all of this time and you failed to mention it? Hook his sister up. So Elle laughs and she tells her, you know, he's fine. He kind of looks like Power. They're the same shade of brown. He's tatted with that bad boy edge that you like. I think you'll like him. Get me him, please. So Elle calls a rule on the phone and he's like what's up everything's okay and they almost had a thing at one point but he agreed not to pursue her and then she got with power so she says yeah everything is good are you single am i single yeah you ain't coming at me are you that would kill power and she's like man hell no i'm well satisfied i don't want you i want you for my cousin is she pretty? She's my cousin, Rule. What you think? And Cameron says, you know, his name is Rule. That's sexy. And it's like, right? Because you have power, Rule, dope. And he was like, that was her? Her voice sexy as hell. Let me talk to her. Put me on speaker. So they have a conversation going back and forth. He's like, I hear you checking for me. She's like, I ain't checking for you. I don't even know you. I just wanted to see if you look as good as your brother. So he says, you know, why don't you let me take you out so you can find out for yourself? I don't know about all that. You could be crazy. I am crazy, but you're going to love me. And I'm like, you know what? Time out. Time out right there. Ain't no way <laughs> I'm going out with a nigga who admits to being crazy just out and open like that. And Cameron says, you know, how about I just meet you at your brother's house one day and we can take it from there. I don't like wasting time and energy. And, you know, he's like, okay. So I'll let Elle know when I'm going to be over there and you two can swing through. Be looking good too. I'm a man and I'm stimulated by what I see. If you want me, come correct. And, you know, he tells her, I'll let you know what I'm ready for you. In the meantime, cut off all your other niggas so you can prepare yourself for me. I'm, ugh, excuse me, I'm possessive as hell. How are you just going to demand that I cut my niggas off? You might not even like me. You might not even be for me. Why you got to go against everything I say? I'm going to have to break you out of that. Just do what I said and let me take care of all the other shit. And he hangs up the phone. And Elle is loving it. She's like, girl, I think you just met your match. And so now we're back in the present. And Elle asks her, you know, so are you going or not? Because if not, Power and I will just get married here or something. Because I'm not doing it without you. And so she finally like gets out of her head and says, fine. But if this goes wrong, it's all on you. And she's like, you know, I will take the blame, but let's go. They've been sitting outside for 30 minutes waiting on you. So, you know, they're getting in the car, preparing to go to the airport so they can go to Vegas. And Rula gets out and puts her luggage in the trunk and she just gets in the car. So he gets in the car too. And he's like, you're welcome. She's like, for what? I just put your suitcase in the trunk. You welcome. I didn't ask you to. Do you want me to get out? 
and take that shit back off so you can put it back yourself? And he's like, um, she's like, I don't care. And Elle is like, Cam, please. So she sits back and like folds her arms over her chest and mutters a thank you. And Rule's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? I couldn't hear you. And she's like, you heard me. No, I didn't. You over there mumbling and shit. Say it just as loud as you did when you said you didn't care. So she tries to hide a smile, but he turns her head like, what? Is is that a smile? And Rule is described as having pecan skin, coffee-colored eyes, naturally thick eyebrows. He has pierced ears and blunt brown lips. And he also has deep dimples and a freckled nose. He sounds so cute. <laughs> anyway, um, and so she slowly reaches over and runs her finger along the curve of his nose and then, you know, like fingering his freckles. And then when she realizes what she's doing, she quickly pulls her hands back and sits on her hands. Rule sees Cameron as a challenge. So while she thinks her attitude may be turning him off, he likes it. And so while Power and Elle are off making arrangements for their wedding, Rule invites her out to lunch. And, you know, while he's waiting on her, he's checking his phone and he's caught off guard by the multiple missed calls from his ex, Dana. And... You know, while he's scrolling through her, through his phone, excuse me, she calls again. So he's like, yeah, like, what do you want? And she says, I can't believe you actually answered. So it's like, why do you keep calling back to back if you don't think I'm going to pick up the phone? So he's like, me either. What do you want? You. What do you want that you can actually have? I would have hung up the phone right then and there because that crushed my feelings. It's like, bitch, if somebody tell you something like that, that should tell you all you need to know. So you saying I can't have you? Is that not the question he just asked? Like, why are you asking stupid questions? And he's like, that's exactly what I'm saying. But why not? You can't even tell me what I did wrong. It wasn't that deep. We kicked it for what? A couple months? Move on. And she's like, you know, you can't just have sex with me the way you do and spoil me with shopping trips. Then just cut me loose. What do I do for a living, Dana? What part of town do I live in? How old am I? What's my last name? Can you tell me one thing about myself? And she's just breathing heav heavily on the phone. And it's like, yeah, so you showing your true intentions. You just want sex and money. And he's done giving that to you. So, girl, move on. And then she says, so we didn't take the time to get to know each other. We can do that now. I don't want to get to know you now. It was fun while it lasted. Like, let that be that. Cameron comes down in a beautiful red dress and Rule just can't seem to take his eyes off of her. So she's just like, you know, what are you looking at? And he says, sea lion woman dressed in red, make a man lose his head. And it's a quote from Nina Simone. And he's like, man, what you know about that? She's like, no, what do you know about that? I love Nina Simone. And he's like, you know, so you're into old school. She's like, that's basically the only thing I listen to. So he's like, give me your top five artists, her old school artists. And she says, Nina, Al Green, Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, and Ann Peebles. And she's like, what about you? He said, you're not going to believe me if I told you. 
So his are Nina, Al, Otis, Sam, and Marvin Gaye. So they literally have the same list of people that they love to listen to with exchange for two. And she's like, man, quit playing. So they just have this conversation back and forth about music. And she tells him, I always wanted to start a vinyl collection. There's a yellow vinyl record player that I've had my eye on, but I haven't purchased it yet. So when he asks her why, she says, you know, I just really don't like to spend money on myself. So your man spoils you then? And it's just like, why is that your go-to if I just say I don't like spending money on myself? So somebody else has to spend the money on me? Like, no, I just don't like spending money on myself. And when the the waiter interrupts the conversation and looks directly at Rule, like, you know, what can I get you guys to drink? So Rule is like, you can start with the young lady over there. And when she has to turn her body to look at Cameron, it's different energy, which is just like, you do know you work for tips, right? If you come to somebody's table looking at their partner, you cannot expect to get a good tip. And so anyway, um, Cam orders a glass of water and she gets a glass of wine. Rule asks her if she can hold her liquor. And when she says yes, he says, then get a bottle of something for both of us. And he's like, you know, you didn't answer my question. What question was that? Does your man spoil you? I don't have one of those. So he asks, you know, you get rid of them niggas, like I said. And she's like, I stopped talking to a few, but it wasn't because you told me to. He's like, yeah, I hear you. So when the waiter comes back and it's time for them to order... Rule orders for, or she tells Rule to order for her, and I just kind of thought that was cute. I always want to go out on a date and have somebody order for me. And he's like, you know, so tell me about yourself. And she's like, I don't like talking about myself. And when he asks why not, she's like, you know, I just don't. Well, you're gonna have to come up out of that. And he's surprised because he's like, you know, all the other guys you dated, they don't take the time to get to know you. And she's she says that's not that's not it there's just something about that's just not something i've really been interested in i kick it with niggas and date but i ain't for that relationship and commitment and stuff and this catches him off guard because he's like you know what woman doesn't want love what woman doesn't want to belong to one man and to be his alone and so you know he's asking her more questions and she's like what is this an interview and he's like, you can think of it that way. What, you want me to stop talking to you like a gentleman and be a hood nigga? And she's like, you know, no, you're just confusing. I wasn't expecting this from you. What were you expecting? For you to be on some fuck shit, honestly. I figured you would throw me compliments and mediocre conversations to see what you could get out of me. Rule tells her, don't misunderstand. I'm very attracted to you physically, but I'm not one of these standard ass niggas. I'm not concerned with entering you physically until I have thoroughly fucked your, you mentally. And when Cam hears that, she grabs the bottle of wine and refills her glass. And then she drinks that and then pours another one. He laughs and takes the bottle and says, I want you sober for this. I can't. That was too much. And so he's like, you want to stop? And she shakes her head no and says, I think I might like this. And so he's like, you know, start from the beginning. Tell me about yourself. So her name is Cameron Meadows. Um, Her and Elle are related on her mother's side. Her dad is white and her mom is black. 
She's 24. She graduated with a double major of education in African-American studies. And she, uh, she teaches, excuse me, an African-American class at a school. And she wants to get her PhD and teach college level courses. And Rule asks if her love for African-American studies and culture has something to do with her father being white. And she says, yeah, growing up, I was never black enough. I wasn't black enough for the blacks and I wasn't white enough for the whites. I used to get teased for my light skin and gray eyes. Elle is light skin too. So we had to learn how to fight at an early age because we were so hated. Hated because of something we had no control over. And so that's when she started studying her mom's family and tracing her roots. And, you know, just wanted to learn more about herself. And... This is something where I know some people aren't going to agree or even want to talk about, but this is a real thing too. It's like everybody mentions the good part of being light-skinned, but nobody wants to talk about the other side too. You get it from both sides and it's just like, oh, are you upset because you're pretty and you're light-skinned and you have quote-unquote good hair and people like you for being light-skinned? It's like, yes, light-skinned privilege is a thing. No one is denying that. No one's going to fight that. But it's just like, okay, those same dark-skinned people where it's like, you're never going to understand what it's like to be me, which is facts and nobody's denying that either. But it's like, you don't then get to take that anger out on me for something that's out of my control. I'm not sitting here down in dark-skinned people or, you know, calling them ugly, nothing like that. It's like, I'm on your side. I'm fighting with you. So why do you then turn around and give me all this hate? And I'm just supposed to sit there and take it because I don't know what it's like to be you. You don't know what it's like to be me either. And yes, there is a privilege above yours. But if I tell you I'm denouncing that privilege and I'm fighting and I'm on your side, why do you then get to talk to me crazy? And I see that so much on social media. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm light skinned, but I'm also black too. So it's like, I do get to have a voice on black issues and I'm not trying to drown out your voice either. But it's like, I see that a lot. It's like, as soon as a light-skinned person says, oh, shut up, you're light-skinned. You can't say nothing about black issues. Why not? I'm still black. I'm not trying to drown out your voice. In fact, I'm agreeing with what you said. But because I'm me, I can't say anything. It's so confusing sometimes. And it's like, you can't do anything. You literally have to just sit there and shut up almost as if you're a white person and just take whatever they throw at you. But anyway, Rule asks if her parents are still living and married. And they're both alive, but they were never married. Her dad couldn't handle the hate that came along with being with a black woman. So he left and married a white woman. And, you know, she chuckles at that, but he can see the sadness in her face. And I can just imagine I would probably never talk to that nigga again. And so he's like, you know, what about your mom? Did she ever marry at all? And she married the first black man to show her some love and attention. He turned out to be married, though. And it's like, wait a minute. How were they able to get married? But he was separated from his wife for the time being. And she didn't even know. So by the time she found out she was in love. Her mom played the side chick role before it was cool and acceptable. And it's like, sis, I get what you're trying to say, but being a side chick is never cool or acceptable. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. 
polygamy is a real thing and I acknowledge it. But if two people agree to be in a monogamous relationship, having sides or outside people is not okay because that's not what you agreed to. If you want that, go be in a poly whatever type of relationship. And so anyway, they got divorced when Cameron was 14 and her mother hasn't remarried since. She says, she taught me how to be a damn good woman. She taught me how to love myself and respect myself, but she didn't teach me how to choose a man, how to submit, respect, and love, and to be loved in a healthy way. I guess that's why I really don't want it now. I don't want to love and trust because I don't want to be hurt and left you know, reject, rejected. And he tells her, you know, you got to know that her path isn't yours to take. That happened to your mom. You don't know if that's going to happen to you. And you trying to avoid that possibility is just going to leave you alone. And she still stays with her mom. She says she's not leaving until she gets married. And it's like saying, I mean, those aren't my intentions, but basically that's how it is i'm still at home and i don't plan on leaving until something changes and he asks her you know like what do you like to do in your free time so she likes to listen to music journaling dancing and hanging out with l but that's gonna have to change because you know with her getting married power's gonna take her position basically and she's pouting and he thinks that's so cute and asks her, you know, you want me to take up that empty space? And then she says, you know, I would like that. Just don't expect too much from me. I only expect what you offer to give. What if all I have to give is my companionship? That's more than enough for me. So Rule, his last name is Owens. He's 26. His parents are alive and they are married he graduated with a degree in philosophy and he wanted to go to law school, but he never got around to it. And, you know, philosophy taught him how to understand and analyze situations and go beyond the surface, how to define and interpret situations. But you're a drug supplier, right? Yes. Is that a problem? It's not my place to try to change you. It's a part of my nature to nurture and to try to pull that out of people. But I will never try to change you. That's how you get hurt. Falling for the potential of a person who could be or what a situation could be. Then you have to, then you try to change it or them expecting something they never offered to give. And you end up disappointed and hurt and they end up feeling less than. And it's like, whoo, that's a word right there. That's why I love Beloved because her books, she pulls out those raw emotions. She's very vibey. R.I.P.Q. He hated the vibey girls, but her books are always a vibe. And they're like in touch with their inner peace and very zen. And it's just like, whew, that was a word. But anyway. And this stuns rule. He's like, so do you really mean that? And she says, I do. And he tells her, you know, I deal with frauds on a daily basis. Basis. So if you mean that, I don't give a fuck if you don't want to be in a relationship and love or not. I'm coming after you and we're giving each other both. And she's like, you know, you can't make me be in a relationship with you. And he just laughs her off, basically saying, yes, I can. So Cam and Elle are talking 
and you know just talking about how her quote-unquote date went with rule and how she's feeling and Cameron says it's not him loving me that scares me then what is it him taking it back and it's like damn girl and that's her hang up with her mom and like what happened to her not once but twice and also I think that's a fear that everybody has it's like you put yourself out there and you give pieces of yourself to people and you're always afraid that they're going to take it and turn it on you and hurt you in a way so I completely get it so Cameron is down at the casino by herself until a rule pops up behind her and tells her, you know, you owe me an apology. And she's like, why? Because you ruined my day. How did I ruin your day? We were having a good time until you got into your head and started overthinking the situation. And she tells him, you know, I'm not apologizing for that. I told you I didn't want to be in a relationship. You don't listen. And so he switches the subject and says, you going to let me take you to a real casino? Or are you going to continue to waste your time here? I'm perfectly fine where I am. If you want my company, just say that. I want you. And so, you know, like, oof. Dee, 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 dee. Anyway, um, so she's like, let me get my purse and my phone. And he follows her up to her room and tells her to pack a light bag. And she's like, what? He's like, dead ass, pack a bag. And she's like, why? And they're going to a different hotel for the night. And at first, she doesn't want, well, not that she doesn't want to, she just hesitates. And then she says, you know, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. So they went to the casino and they're back in the room and she goes to take a shower and he orders room service and he steps outside to take a phone call. And then when room service comes, he sees her like, well, he steps back in the room and she's sitting on the edge of the the bed that has a bench on it just in her towel so he tells her you know go in the bathroom while he's setting up and then you can come back out and she was lotioning her feet and he told her you know don't put anything else on I'm gonna do that for you she's like you're not gonna touch my body so when he goes into the bathroom to check on her he sniffs the air and says didn't I tell you don't put no more of that lotion on and she's like I thought I thought that was a joke you didn't think it was no joke. You just hard-headed. Why do you give me such a hard time? I told you I didn't want you touching my body. And he says, why not? I'll be so good to it. I promise. And it's just like, like, can you imagine that energy? Like somebody giving you that energy that they really want you. And she, she apologizes. She's like, you know, I'm sorry. I'll be less against you. But I still don't want a relationship. So he's like, man, okay, whatever. And he walks away from her. But she picks up a shirt, one of his shirts, like inhales his scent. And then she puts that on and comes back to the table. And so he's looking at her like, why you got my shirt on? Because I like the way you smell. And when I sleep tonight, it'll make me feel like you're holding me. And her honesty like takes him by surprise. But he's like, or I could just hold you and you can experience the real thing. She's like, you know, that's too much. And I told you I wasn't sleeping with you. And he has this, he got a suite with just one bed. And she's like, you know, why didn't you get a room with two beds? And he lies and says, you know, they didn't have any more. 
she's like man whatever bless the food and so when he says a real prayer she is once again surprised and he's like man what what was you expecting some god is good god is great let's eat and basically yes she's like you know you just keep surprising me and so a lot of his tattoos are scripture tattoos so she was like you know those aren't just for show huh and he's like no and neither is my brand he got a cross branded on his chest and she's like you know why it humbles me reminds me of the pain he sustained for me with the life i live i could kill or be killed or get locked up any minute it reminds me to be mindful and aware thankful for every breath every day of freedom so why choose to do it why won't you just leave the streets honestly it's addictive I love the rush of it. Nothing ever made me feel as alive and fulfilled and powerful as the streets do until I met you. But you throw a nigga such shade, the little bit of rush you give me leaves as soon as you piss me off. And I cracked up at that part, but it also made me think about paid in full. I love the game, man. And it's just like, you know, like, but you see what happens to people in the game all the time, especially if you got enough money and time, it's just time to get on out. And so the next morning, Rule opens up the door for the bellhop again to roll in the breakfast and the roses that Rule asked him for last night. And the guy didn't even work in the morning, but Rule gave him $100, so he promised to come back and deliver it personally for himself. So I'm like, you're not even on the clock and you delivering? That's dedication. Ain't no way in hell I do it, though. And he tries to give Rule his change back, but, you know, Rule's like, keep it. Thank you. And so when Cameron is like fully, well, she gets up to go to the bathroom and like does her morning hygiene. When she comes back out, she's going to the table because he told her to get up for breakfast. But he's actually standing by the bed with no shirt on and the bouquet of roses. And, you know, she's almost about to cry because no man has ever given her flowers before. Same girl, same but when he sees how emotional she is, she's like, you know, what's wrong? And she says, nothing's wrong. It's actually right. And that's what scares me. And he asks her, you know, are you going to allow the fear that you keep experiencing? Oh, no, the fear to keep you from experiencing what I'm trying to offer you. And he's like, you know, I'm just trying to love on you and get the same in return. And she asks, you know, promise me that if you begin to lose interest, that you won't cheat. You won't switch up on me. You won't just randomly leave me without giving me closure. And he tells her, you know, none of that's going to happen. And we are not your parents and your stepdad. And she's like, you know, how do you know that that's not going to happen? And he tells her, when I held you last night. I felt like that part of me that I've been missing and searching for had made its way back to me. I felt whole. So letting go of you would be like letting go of myself. And she says, okay, I'll try, but I'm going to need some time. That's all I'm asking for. Why do you think I kidnapped you? And, you know, she just finds that so cute. And she's like, thank you for the flowers. I really appreciate it. So Elle is getting dressed in their new hotel room that Cameron has with Rule. And they're having the conversation yet again. 
And, you know, she's discussing how she's scared to take this any further. But Elle tells her, at least rent his ass out until we get back to Memphis. And she's like, man, I'm not having sex with him. I already know he gonna have me sprung. And she, Cameron sends Elle, like, ahead while she talks to her mom on the phone. And, you know, her mom's like, are you having fun? She's like, yeah. And her mom, like, she could see straight through it. She's like, you you don't sound like you're having fun. So what's wrong? And she tells her, you know, there's this guy. And her mom was like, stop right there. He is not your father. And it's like, dang, girl, how does everybody know your hangups? And you're not willing to work on changing that. And she's like, you know, she says, I know, but I can't just ignore what he did to you. To me, what he did to me. Your father is a good man. He's just a weak man. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's like, wait a minute, mama. Yes, it is. I get what you're trying to do, but no. There's something definitely wrong with that. And it's like, it's a shame that your daughter had to see that, that her father walked out. And it's like, it's not just what he did to you. It's what he did to her, too. He walked away from both of y'all and didn't come back. So it's just like, she has a right to feel a little bit jaded. And, you know, Cameron asks, okay, so what about Anthony then? He's... He still messed you over. Me. He messed me over. Not you. And it's like, that's not true either. Because if he was your husband and her stepfather, he walked away from y'all too. So it's like, not once, but twice. We both got left. Not in the same capacity, but we both got left both times. So after the talk she just had with her mom and the conversation she had with Elle from earlier, she decides to throw caution to the wind and give this thing a try with the rule so you know they spend the day together they went to the museum they went to a stimulated gun range they went to exhibits and you know basically just had a good time and then when they get back to the hotel rule goes to take a shower and Cameron is like dozing off but his phone keeps vibrating so you know she keeps waking up because she hears it and so at first she was going to ignore it, but the fact that it keeps going off, she looks down at it and she sees Dana is calling. Now she doesn't know who that is, but it's just like, why does she keep calling? And uh, she sent him a picture. So after that, she's in a foul mood thinking that he's playing games. And so when Rule comes out the shower, he's like, you know, are you in for the night or do you want to go get some drinks? Or something at the casino. So she says, I'm done. Meaning it, you know, in more ways than one. So he's like, what's wrong? Nothing. Don't lie to me. I can hear it in your voice. And it's like, damn, just that quick. He already knows your mannerism. So girl, what's the problem? And he's like, you know, if you don't tell me what's wrong with you and what put you in this dry mood, I'm going to drag you out of this bed and hang you over the railing of the patio. And it's like, damn, you're going to do her like business hours is from nine to five. That's rude. But anyway, you know, she doesn't say anything. So he grabs her and tosses her over his shoulder and he takes her to the patio. But she's fighting, like fighting for her life. Like, okay, okay, okay. And so he's like, you know, talk. But instead of talking, she goes and grabs his phone and like throws it at him. So when he looks at the phone and sees what's going on and what she mad, he's like, really? You tripping because of her? 
okay, well, who is she? And why does she keep blowing up your, your phone? So he smiles and was like, come here. She's like, no, because, you know, that's her biggest fear. Like, nigga, you playing games already. But he's like, you know, have I not been spending every moment with you? So why would I be wasting my time if I wanted somebody else? And she's like, you know, that still don't answer my question. Who is she? My ex. Really? She's not even an ex. We fucked and that's it. I blew a few stacks on her, but we were never committed. And she can't seem to get over the fact that it's over. But I don't want her. I want you. And so he grabs his phone and calls Dana's number. And he tells her, you know, don't be sending me no pictures. Don't send me nothing, period. Don't text. Don't call. Nothing. And, you know, he tells her, I'm with my lady. And if I don't lost her because of your clingy ass, I'm fucking you up when I get back to Memphis. And so he turns to Cameron and is like, did I lose you? You never had me to lose me. So he hangs up right then and he's like, damn. So you shutting down on me again? Fine. Did I lose my chance to have you? And Cameron is basically pulling back and she's really not engaging with him. And he tells her, you know, if I was fucking with her or anybody else, I'd tell you, but I'm not. I'm trying to bear with you and help you work through this shit, but I'm not going to suffer because of your daddy issues. And it's like, really, nigga, why would you say that to her? And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Well, I did, but I didn't mean it in a bad way. You do have daddy issues, which she does, but it's just like, you didn't have to say that right then. And he's like, you know, you think a nigga going to do you wrong and reject you because of what he did, but that ain't me. And, you know, she starts packing up her bag and he's like, for real, you done? You just going to leave? And he tells her again, you know, I don't want her. I want you. How many times do I have to say that? But for how long? Until we get back to Memphis? Until you get bored with me too? You probably going to do me the same way you did her. So she says, you know, I got to go. Where are you going? And she talks about going back to the other hotel, but they checked out. Because they decided that they were going to do this and try and stay at this hotel. So he's like, you know what? Nah, you stay here and I'll go. She's like, nah, this your room. I don't mind leaving. So, you know, now he don't went and got his stuff. And she's still trying to walk out the door. He's like, man, it's after midnight. I said you ain't leaving. You cool. Stay in here. And so he walks out the door And she lays on the bed for like a few seconds before she gets up, grabs the key, and is about to run out the door. But Rule is right there. And he's like, man, where the hell you think you're going with just a t-shirt on? And she was like, you know, I'm coming for you. I don't like, and this is Rule speaking. He says, I don't like leaving shit unsettled and going to sleep mad because that'll just fuck up my day tomorrow. So I'm sorry. And it's just like, how he got to be the bigger person, girl? And she's like, you know, you don't have to apologize. He says, I know, but that's just him being a better person. And she apologizes and says she freaked out. And he says, you know what? It's cool. Going back in the suite. And she's like, you know, you're not coming back. Nah, I think it's best if we just put some space between us. And so she goes back to the room. And with every step she takes away from him, It hits her in the chest a little bit. She's feeling a little something. And this is what she was afraid of. And she had no one to blame 
but herself and her fear. And it's like, yeah, because y'all are going great. Everything is going great. There's nothing wrong with y'all relationship so far, but you are just fighting it so hard. So, you know, and you know, oh, I misspoke. So the last time they were just talking, it wasn't time for the wedding yet. This is now the time for the wedding. So, you know, she's supposed to be happy because her cousin is getting married and she's happy for her. She's consumed with regret because she realizes that she messed it up and she's trying to focus on l and you know because it's her wedding day she's like man i don't want to talk about that i want to talk about why rule was knocking on our door a little after midnight and she's like it's your wedding day and you're worried about my petty drama yes so what happened and we heading to the airport after the wedding so you know it's basically y'all two after this and you know, she runs down the story and Ella's confused. She's like, so you're mad because of something someone else did? Not even what he did? And she's being a little ass kid. She's pouting and mumbling. Like, yeah, it's like, no, speak up. Speak up with that same energy you had just so prepared to leave him. But Elle likes him. She's like, you know, he's perfect for you. A gentleman with a savage ass attitude. And it's like, ain't that what we all want? I know I do. But anyway, um, Rule, he wants her, but he refuses to break his own heart trying to secure hers. And it's like, I feel that. I really feel that. It's like, I want you. And you know, like I'm trying, but I'm not finna basically kill myself trying to make you happy. I made my intentions clear. And if you're not going to do anything with that, then we could just be done. But, you know, they have a talk once again. And he says, we can kick it until you're ready. But I'm not setting myself up to be hurt. And, you know, he tells her, we're not having sex with each other. I need us to be on the same level emotionally and mentally first. So after Power and Elle leave, they have a conversation and, you know, they're vibing, they're smoking together. But Rule gets a business call and it completely changes his mood. But then, you know, like he switched back like my fault. Don't worry about it. And then they get naked and lay together. He's like, you know, I want us to be naked and unashamed, completely exposed and vulnerable with one another. Excuse me. I want your skin on mine. So it's like they are literally laying there naked on top of each other, just talking. And after a while, she says, you know, tell me about your goals. And this fool, he like, oh, shit, we about to have a conversation and I didn't have to force it out of you. Get serious, baby. Oh, shit. Now I'm baby. And, you know, she's like, for real. And she's about to get up. And I can feel that, too, because it's like if I'm. If I'm being vulnerable with you now, now is not the time to joke. It just is not. And he's like, you know, I'm just excited. My bad, my bad. And as they're talking, they're like rubbing up against each other. He's like, man, I thought I had self-control, but that's fading with you. So I'm going to go. And she's like, what? What? But you don't have to leave. You can stay here. I want to talk to you. You can't make me open up and then just shut down on me. Which is true. It's like, nigga, you said you want to be open and vulnerable. And here I am. Then you get up and you walk out. 
it's like if you thought I shut down on you before, it's curtains after this. But anyway, she literally begs, just talk to me, please. And she tells him, you know, I get why we can't have sex and I agree with you. I want to explore you in ways I've never experienced with another man before. And he says, man, you really making it worse for me. But anyway, they get back to talking and his vision for himself is to be financially stable that by the time he's 30, he can leave the streets and retire. He wants to spend the rest of his days traveling and doing something positive and to keep his flow of income going he'll have a few like uh residual streams of income but nothing that will require more than a couple of hours of my time a week something i can be able to sit back and collect checks from like business investing or real estate and his goal is to be married with at least one child by then but he wants two total I love that. I love a man with a, well, a person with a plan. I love a person with a plan. And she's like, you know, what about school? You talked about law school. Will you go back? And he says he might go to school, like go back to school, but it won't be for law. It'll be to cancel, counsel people. And, you know, like he said with the philosophy, he loves analyzing people, their problems and situations and coming up with solutions, especially for young men more so young black men and he says before he dies he wants to start a non-profit and he's like so you know what about you and by 30 Cameron wants to be done with her uh with graduate school and working towards her doctorate she wants to use her influence and position to help young women love and respect themselves embrace their femininity and womanhood And she already has permission to start an after-school program when the school year starts. And she's pretty excited about it. And, you know, that's it for her. He's like, you ain't got no personal goals, no personal vision for your life, marriage, babies. What about a boyfriend? And she's like, no, not really. Is that something that you don't want, period? Because if it's not, there's really no point in me continuing my pursuit of you. And she's like, you know, I wanted that when I was younger. Okay, but what about now, Cameron? Can we just take this slow? I'm trying. And he's like, I'm not trying to rush you, but I'm not going to waste my time either, which is completely understandable. I'm telling you in a few years, because he's already, what, 26? So in four years, I want to be married. I want to have babies, you know, and it don't have to happen like right at that age but I'm telling you that this is in my future I plan for this at some point in my life and you basically saying you don't want none of that even though you say that you want to try it's like which one is it what what are we doing here and she's like so I have to tell you now he's like no but your mind ain't changed at all over these last few days you mean to tell me you don't have an idea of whether or not that's something that you want like in general and then he's like you know what fuck in general i'll talk about me do you see any of that with me and her answer is a i guess he's like man you know what all right we don't have to talk about it anymore so he's about to get up and leave and she's like but i thought you were staying i thought i was too but it really ain't no point that'll just make me get even more attached to your crazy confused inconsistent ass and so now she's sitting at the edge of the bed 
and telling him, you know, I don't want you to go. I know my roots go deep. I know it's going to take more than a few days to pull up the roots, but I want you to love this shit out of me. And I have no problem doing that. But would you be able to refill me? I'm not trying to be empty, giving all of me to you for nothing in return, which is like, girl, how can you not see that? You know that that's a problem. I'm not giving everything to you for you to give me absolutely nothing in return. And, you know, and you're not even willing to try. But she says she is. She's willing to try. She just needs some time. I can't change overnight. I would if I could. I've tried. I've tried to be like a normal woman, wanting normal things. I've tried to see myself married with kids. I've tried. But the thought scares the life out of me. Does it? Is loving and losing what's really scaring you? Or is that just an excuse not to try? Didn't you say you were all for helping people reach their full potential? How can you help others reach reach their full potential and be whole when you're not even doing it yourself? How can you preach being whole when you don't even practice what you preach? That's the problem. I'm trying to give you all of me and a whole love and you're half a woman. You can't accept, and it's, woof, before I even continue reading, it's like, baby, read me. Read me. Um, <laughs> okay, um, where was I? I'm so sorry. You can't accept me and what I'm trying to offer you because you're not whole yourself. And you want me to settle for being half-loved while giving all of me? What? How'd that work? And it's just like, damn. Damn, I love rule. Anyway, and he's like, you know, I ain't trying to make you fall in love with me. I'm trying to make you rise in love with me. And it's just like, oof, we getting a little ho-teppy here, but let's stay with it. I ain't trying to make you fall and stumble. And he tells her, you know, if you don't hear nothing else I say, hear this. And it's a lot. So y'all just stick it out with me. Only immature people fall in love. They stumble. They can't stand. They can't manage. They get in a relationship and it consumes them. They lose themselves. They lose themselves because they because they aren't whole and they don't know how to stand alone. But whole, mature people, they know how to be and stand alone. When a whole person gives love, they give it with no strings attached. They expect nothing in return. They are grateful for the opportunity to do what they've been created to do. Love. They feed you with all that they have and you feed them with all that you have. And because you both are whole, you never end up empty because you're transferring love from one another. Whole people help others with their love. They help them to be free. Your father and your stepfather, they weren't whole. They weren't mature in love. Your mother couldn't have been either to allow them to do that to her. And it's just like, whew, baby, baby. That's a hard pill to swallow, but it's true. Now, the whole, like, fall in love, grow in love, whatever, that's just semantics. But the the point is clear. It's just like, you know, they weren't for each other. They weren't ready for love. And they were not whole people because they couldn't pour into each other. And both of those situations, unfortunately, ended the way they did. And, you know, he says immature people who fall in love destroy each other. They take each other's freedom and energy. They feed off of each other, trying to make themselves whole and fill the holes in their heart. But it doesn't work. 
They just end up stripping that person of their all and tossing them to the side as if they weren't enough. That's what they did to your mother. It's like, whoo, see, right back to the mama. So it's just like avoiding love, which this is my favorite part right here. Avoiding love is not how you break that cycle and avoid having to experience what your mother went through. Becoming whole and mature is the only way to avoid that, Cam. That's the only way. And it's just like, didn't I say that earlier? It's like you trying so hard to be by yourself and alone just so you don't repeat the cycle of what happened to your mom. But you basically are because your mama is alone now and you going to end up just like her trying to avoid not being like her. It's like, girl, you're not helping yourself. And he also tells her, you know, you are denying me of what I was created to do by not letting me love you. So you need to make up your mind now. Is this what you want? Or not? Yes. And you're committed to trying? Yes. So Rule gets another call pertaining to business. And it's even worse than whatever it was before. And you can hear him say, I wanted to take my baby out tomorrow. But we're going to have to cancel that and head back home early. This nigga needs to be stopped now. So Cameron gets out of bed and she start packing. And, you know, from what she can hear... He's being tested. Somebody is messing with his business. So, you know, they about to go home. And, you know, he comes back in apologizing, saying that they have to leave. And she's like, no, that's fine. But, you know, I can't lose you. So, you know, but he's like, you know, I got to go handle this. And she's like, well, who's going to be with you? This can't wait until power gets back. And Rule says that's the problem. You know, like they dad ran the business. Then he passed it down to them. And, you know, power got out, so now it's his turn. But he says, you know, these niggas don't see me as nothing but Muhammad's baby boy and power's little brother. Ever since I took over the business, these niggas have been trying to scoop it from underneath me. And, you know, she gets him to calm down and says, I know you're upset, but if you go in there with guns blazing, you could be walking into a trap. Just wait. Come up with a clear plan of attack or at least give them enough time to think that you aren't going to do anything about it. And when they're comfortable, smash on their asses. And he's like, you know what? That's smart. I needed you for that. You know, you calm me down. And then, you know, he goes into the bathroom and the hotel um, phone rings. Because, you know, at first it was his cell phone, but they were ignoring it. And then, you know, like the hotel room phone rings. And Cam answers and it's power. He's like, you know, where rule at? I need you to keep him from going home until I get there. She's like, you know, that's not necessary. Stay where you are. I calmed him down. He's good. And, you know, power gets quiet on the phone. And she's like, you know, are you still there? He's like, yeah, but I've never known him to calm down after he gets hyped like that. I was about to fly out and go home to be with him because, you know, ain't no telling what he was going to do. And she's like, you know, no, I got him. You good. Continue your vacation. And after she hangs up, she walks over to Rule and tell him, you will never stand alone as long as you have me. And he's like, you know, with my business shit, yes, I will. And she's like, no, with nothing. I get that you're tough, strong, and you're a man and all that whoop-de-whoop, but I got your back on everything. I heard the hurt in your voice when you were talking about your fo folks leaving the business. They may have left the business, but they didn't leave you. He's like, man, I hear you. You know, thank you. And she's like, but do you really, though? I got you. I promise I do. And they go outside and smoke together. 
on their last day in Vegas, they conquered Cameron's biggest fear of heights. Not like plane rides or whatever, but literally like being up in the sky, like maybe bungee jumping or skydiving. And that's what they did. They went skydiving and she faced her fear of heights. And, you know, they still haven't had sex, but they did talk about sex. And Cam Cameron says that she's never climaxed before. And she has a pierce. She got her clip pierced. And that's the reason why she got it, because she wanted to intensify her sexual experiences or at least that's what she heard so she got it done so now they're back home and they're sitting outside of her house but while they were out smoking he tells her you know what's going on so one of his workers Marcel tried to throw him under the bus and uh, steal his clientele so he stole a couple keys out of a delivery he was supposed to make and to one of Rule's highest paying clients. And Marcel told him that Rule skimmed him and that he was starting his own business. So Marcel offered to supply Drake with the same amount of product for half the price. So, you know, Drake just tells him, you know, I'll think about it. And he immediately calls Rule to tell him what Marcel is up to. And so... When he couldn't get in touch with Rule, he called Yancey. And Yancey is like Rule's right-hand man. So Yancey was set up to approach Marcel at the trap that Marcel was at. But before he could even get inside the door, he was shot. He was being shot at from all sides. So, you know, he called Power to get in touch with Rule to let him know that not only had Marcel crossed them, but he also has multiple men from their payroll now working with him. So, you know, it's just like shit kind of fucked up right now. And so he gets out the car, you know, to let her out. And they talk about meeting up later. And... As he's grabbing her bags from the trunk, he hears a door open. And so they look up and see an older version of Cameron. So her mom's there. And she's like, you know, I was just coming out to water your flowers. But since you're here, you can do it. And Rule's like, flowers? She says, yeah, I have two gardens, a flower garden and a vegetable garden. And he's like, so why didn't you tell me this? She's like, I don't know. I told you I don't like talking about myself. And then they get into the difference between a forest and a garden. Like a forest is just things that grow. There's no help from man, no structure. It just grows. But a garden is intentional. Everything is planted for a reason. You know what you want and you plant it. You sow the seeds that you want to reap. So a garden is in your control. It's something that you can nurture and prune and experience to your liking. And, you know, so that's why she started her garden and she has two of them. And she also tells him that she wants to have a big house in the country with lots of farm animals. Very, you know, when I read this, I was thinking about Selena and I was just like the same thing. You get tired of city living and that's basically what it is. She doesn't want to live in the city or have the city life anymore. And... You know, he's like, why didn't you tell me this when I asked about your personal goals? That's something that we can make happen. I didn't think it mattered. Everything about you matters, Cameron. And so, you know, she tells him thank you for the trip, for the experience. And 
you know, for wanting to make her better and helping her grow. And he's like, you know, you don't have to thank me for that. I'm your man. That's what I'm supposed to do. You're my man? Ain't I? You really want to be? Obviously. So, you're like my boyfriend? Yeah, if that's what you want. It is. Really? Yes, Rule. You're good for me. I want to be good for you, too. And he's like, all right, man, let me meet your mama so I can leave before I have you uh, out, out here in the backseat of this car. So anyway, um, you know, she's questioning Rule and Cameron is in disbelief because her mom has never shown interest in any man that she's dated before. And, you know, as they're talking, Rule is completely honest. He tells her about his legal and illegal businesses. And although she doesn't approve of his lifestyle, she understands the reason behind it and can respect the fact that it isn't something he plans to do forever. But she also makes Rule promise to protect and preserve Cameron. And, of course, he agrees. You know, he wants her forever. So he leaves out promising to come get her later after he is done with his business and her mom approves she's like you know i like him he's good for you he handles you and he deals with your stubbornness and he's patient with you so you know that's a that's a good thing and her mom also tells her that her dad has been calling for her they're having a family dinner for his youngest child sunday and he wants her to come and, you know, Cameron ain't really feeling that. She ain't spoke to her dad in months. And when she does speak to him, it's just like two people passing like, hey, hey. And she's never been to the home he shares with his current wife. And if he ever wanted to see Cameron, he came to her. And she's like, man, you know I'm not going. And her mom was like, why not? Those are your siblings. But it's like, you know what happened with them. So, you know, I ain't seen them in how long. So what are we talking about here? And her mom was like, why? And she's like, act Victoria. Before she found out that I was spending as much time with them as I was. I had the perfect relationship with them. But when she found out he let me take them out and stuff, she started tripping. Then the next time I get them, they were all shut down, quiet. They didn't want to do anything. It's like they didn't want to be around me. So I know she said something to them and they're just kids. So I don't want to cause any trouble or make them feel uncomfortable. If she doesn't want them around me, then I'm fine with that. I grew up as an only child. I got L and they have each other. And so her mom was like, you know, she said something to you. I can say something to her. I'll put her in check real quick. And I'll tell your father and he can take care of it. And she's like, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't need you to do that. It's like, it's really his wife's problem. And, you know, what are you going to tell him? He just fucks up shit for no reason with his lack of communication. I have no patience for that. So he should have been told her that I was taking care of them while he was out doing whatever. Because, you know, on the days that he was going grocery shopping or had to run errands or had to work or even if he wanted to golf, he had no problem dropping his two younger kids off to their older sister. But anyway, but she calls him. And, you know, but she's nervous to call him because her uncaring and tough exterior is really just a front for her true emotions, which is hurt and pain. And, you know, um, so when he calls, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing? Whatever. And she's like, so about this dinner, is it 
your family and your wife's family or just you and the kids? And he was like, you know, my wife and the kids. And she's like, well, I don't want to be around her. I don't want my urbanness to offend her. And he tells her to be mature. But it's like, why do I have to be mature? Because you're a white wife. I'm like, you're white, then you have this white wife. And she tells you that she doesn't want y'all white kids around me because she doesn't want them around urbanness. How do I have to be mature? Tell your fucking wife to stop being racist. And how you just let her get away. And I'm like, see, so you racist too. Tell me you can't deal with the backlash. Like, nigga, grow a set of balls and shut the fuck up. Um, And so she says, you know, why do, why do I have to be mature? She's, what, twice my age? And I'm supposed to just let, like, all that slick shit she be talking fly out her mouth? When I was young, I let my mama handle it. But now, I'm telling you, if she disrespect me, I'm on her ass. And she's, and he's like, you know, please, she's matured over the years. It's like, that bitch been grown. She should have been matured. And what does maturity have to do with racism? Either she's racist or she's not. So which one is it? And he's like, you know, it was actually her idea to invite you. So it's like, you just going to continue to let her tell you what you're going to do with your kids as well. Them both of y'all kids. But okay, you know, whatever. And so he asked her, you know, will you come over and give it a chance, please? And, you know, she accepts. But when she gets off the phone with her dad, she's crying. And her mom comes in and, you know, holds her and consoles her. So when Roy, uh I was going to call this man wrong. When Rule is done with his business, you know, he gets dressed up fly. He goes pick up Cameron. She's looking cute. And they're going out for dinner. And, you know, all that good stuff. And some guy, okay, they're standing at the booth, like, waiting for their name to be called for their reservation. And right when rule's name is called some guy grabs onto cameron's hand and so she turns around you know causing rule to turn around too to see what's going on and he like moves the guy hand from off of her and it's like you know don't touch her when she in my presence as a matter of fact don't look at her don't think about her ever again and when they get to their table she's like are you gonna do that to every guy that tried to talk to me and it's like but sis didn't you say you couldn't date old boy at the beginning, because he wouldn't say nothing. So now you got a nigga that do say something and it's still a problem. But no, she's just joking. She finds that attractive and that's exactly what she wants. So anyway, she stays over at his house. And the next morning, she thinks she hears like animal noises. But she's like, she has to remember that she's at Rule's place. So it might just be her imagination. But anyway, when she gets dressed and go downstairs, she finds out that Rule actually got a traveling petting zoo to come out. And, you know, it's like you said you wanted a farm one day, right? Well, I figured this could be a taste of what you have to look forward to. So they brought cows, um, rabbits, pigs, donkeys, horses, ducks, and some shit I ain't never seen before. <laughs> and... You know, she's just in awe, which I would be too. Because it's like, you literally just told this nigga what you wanted. And he made it happen. Like a preview of what could be. Man. Anyway. um, And he tells her, you know, usually they go to kids' birthday parties. So there's a cake and ice cream and a t-shirt out there waiting for her. And so he's like, you know, go enjoy yourself. 
I'm going to get my phone so I can take some pictures and I'll meet you out there. But before he can walk away, she grabs his arm and tells him, you know, you can never leave me. You can't do stuff like this, then leave me. You can't play with my emotions like that. If you're not going to stick around. And he tells her, you know, just accept me and what I'm giving you and enjoy me. Don't think about me leaving because I'm not. I'm here. I'm here for you. Just be still my heart. So Ken returns the favor of also having a surprise in Rose's bedroom where she placed rose petals all across the floor and in the middle of the bed there's like a heart shaped of rose petals and there's candles and incense burning on his dressers and the tables and you know Al Green is flowing through the room and on his bedside table she has white chocolate covered fruit and massage oil so she tells him you know go take a shower and i'll be waiting for you but it's like he took so long she actually fell asleep but you know when he goes out the shower he gives her that go go no i'm just playing <laughs> but anyway um they did have sex for the first time and sunday is here excuse me and it's time for the dinner but they're just sitting outside of her dad's house just sitting in rule's car and at some point he says you know how long are we gonna sit out here i'm hungry and i know we're gonna have to go somewhere else to get something else to eat because i'm pretty sure whatever they serve it i ain't gonna even want it <laughs> and it's like so true especially because it ain't even the fact that they will it is the fact that they white and you know some white people can't cook and then it's also you just don't eat everybody cooking so it's like okay yeah i'm gonna sit in here with you but i'm already hungry and i know i ain't finna eat this shit that we about to go in here and pretend to eat so can we wrap this up but cameron is scared and rule tells her fear is an emotion you were created to have dominion over all things don't let something intangible give birth to tangible action control your emotions and don't let that shit bring you out of yourself. And she's like, you know, but what if she say something crazy? And now I got to beat her ass. So now it's really a problem. He's like, man, I'm not going to let you do that. Just calm down. So they get out. They greet her dad. And it's awkward for a second. Because it's just like he's trying to make small talk. And, sir, what do you want? And so Rule introduces his himself as her boyfriend. And he's just so happy to meet him. Because it's just like... He ain't never met none of her dudes, really don't know that part of her life. But anyway, so he tells her, you know, come in, make yourselves comfortable. And, you know, she's never been there. So she has to say that, like, you know, which way should I go? I've I've never been here before. And the big old smile that he has on his face, you know, slides off and he puts his hands in his pocket because he has to tell her where to go. And it's like, you literally have a 20 is she 24 you have a 24 year old daughter who's never been to your house before like come on make it make sense but anyway you know she starts walking but then she stops like abruptly causing rule to bump into her and he wraps his arms around her and tells her you know don't cry because if you cry you're gonna be make me cry and if i cry i'm fucking everybody up so it's just like he made her relax for a little bit and <clears throat> excuse me Later on, Cameron and her dad has a conversation and she's like, you know what? 
I don't even care about your wife not liking me. Honestly, I understand why she doesn't. I'm the product of your greatest desire and fascination, my mother. You wanted a black queen and you had her. You just weren't strong enough to stick around. Just like I know that she knows that too. That's why she doesn't like me. And she tells him, you know, I get that you didn't want to be with my mother anymore. But why did you have to leave me too? And what did I say? I'm like, her mama keeps saying he did that to me. It's like, no, he did that to both of y'all. He could have still been a father without being your man, but he didn't do that. He just went on and tried to make another family and basically forget y'all because the mama's all black and then the daughter's half black and he wasn't ready to be a father then. And it's like, I've read that as being part of a story too many times. I wasn't ready to be your father, so I left and became a father to somebody else. Because it's like, it ain't like you just didn't have any kids and you weren't ready. You went off and made a completely different family. You had your white family and you've just been happy all these years. Like, man, get the fuck out of here. But, because, you know, that's what he told her. I couldn't handle the pressures of being a father, let alone the pressure of being with someone of a different race. So having to hear complaints from both sides of the family, I ran. And he talked about how Cameron's mother was everything to him. And he got with Vicky and just tried to move on. And how he's still in love with her mom. He never wanted to let her go. And it's just like, sir, okay, you know, whatever. But they have this enlightening moment, which, and I don't mean to make it sound like I don't care. But I guess my opinion is pouring out. It's just, I don't care. It's like, I would have cut him off mid-conversation like, blah, 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 because that's all I hear coming out your mouth. Like, okay, cool. You got your white wife. You got your white kids. You got your perfect white family. We can leave it at that. Ain't no excuses. And you don't get to come back however many years later and decide you want to be my dad now. Like, nigga, no. So anyway, Elle has convinced Cameron to host a self-love workshop to start off her summer dance camp. So, you know, she's talking to the young ladies when she notices a girl who looks almost just like her. And her name is Braille, which I thought, you know, of course, Braille for the blind people, the reading material, but like as a name, that is so dope. And that's what Cameron says. And she's like, you know, is there a meaning behind this? And Braille's mom told her that the love she and her father shared is blind so that's why she named her braille and i'm just like man once again be love you're fucking brilliant man and what does braille say also her mom is black and her dad is white so it's just like man what the hell but anyway you know the workshop continues she gives them steps to get to self-love because even though some of the girls say they love themselves already a few of the girls were hesitant to say that so the workshop went really well and you know Cameron is keeping her eye on braille so she's also supposed to be having like a night out with Elle but instead instead excuse me she packs a bag and goes over to Rome's house she's preparing dinner for them and he won't allow her inside his bedroom because he has another surprise for her. But she also has a surprise for him. But 
before they can get to her surprise, you know, like they have a little moment together. And he says, you know, these eyes, you lock me down with these eyes. I need a daughter with these eyes. And she's about to say something, but he interrupts her and they start having sex because he fears she's going to say no. But when they're done, she's, she asks him, you know, you really want me to have your baby? And he won't answer. And she's like, nigga, I'm talking to you. Do you? He's like, I do, but I know we're taking these slow, uh, things slow while you figure this out. But she says, I love to. And, you know, that catches him off guard. And he's like, why? And she says, I want to experience you, us, on every level. I want to be your friend, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother of your child, your life and person, uh, purpose partner. I want to be all of that for you. He's like, damn, I wasn't expecting that. It's like, of course you wanted. You didn't even give me a chance. Like you, but see, that goes back to it being Cameron's fault though. I'm like, he's just so ready for her to shut everything down. Even when she's trying, he's trying to beat her to it of saying no first or not even talking about it. But anyway, his surprise is a yellow vinyl with a crate of vinyl records. And... She asked him, you know, why are you so thoughtful? You take my thoughts and you turn them into reality. Something I can touch and feel and experience. I just like to see you smile. No big deal. And it's like, no, nigga, that is a very big, a huge deal. And, you know, he's like, come on, let's get in the shower. And she's like, no, I want to tell you about my surprise first. And he's like, man, come on, let's get in the shower. And she's like, no, just wait. And her surprise is she signed him up for a class on starting a nonprofit. It's a 30-hour class, and they teach you all the basics of how to apply for grants, fundraising, creating your bylaws, everything you need to know and do. So by the time the course is over, he will have completed all of the necessary steps and documents to start his nonprofit. And the class starts in two weeks. It's like, wow. Y'all are so thoughtful for each other. And so Power and Rule are out having drinks at a club. And Power asks him, you know, how are you going to handle the situation after Rule fills him in on Marcel's scheme? And so, you know, word has been spreading around that Marcel was setting up shop in North Memphis. But, you know, Rule hasn't been able to get in touch with him or see him since he's been back. And he's like, you know, I'm going to end him as soon as I see him. But I need to know who he has working for him. It won't do me any good to get rid of him. And then turn around and have to do this all over again um, with somebody else. And so they're still talking. And Power tells him, you know, you got company. And when he looks to where Power is looking, he sees Dana. So she comes over and tries to squeeze herself in between his legs, but he pushes her back and closes his legs so she can't come close to him. And he's like, you know, I told you I had a lady gone somewhere. Oh, you were serious about that? Dead ass. And so she looks over at Power and says, who's your friend? Power like, I'm married. Back up off me. Uh, <laughs> and so she says, fine, I'll let you go. Can I get a goodbye hug? Give me my closure so I can let you go. And he stands up to actually, and I'm like, what is she getting closure from? Y'all literally had sex. You bought her things and it's over. There's no closure to give. And I'm like, bitch, I'm not giving you no hug. But anyway, she pulls him in 
and tells him, don't lose my number. I'm here whenever you want me. <sighs> so he gives her a hug and, you know, basically tries to move her arms. But she says, hug me like you mean it. And he also tells her, let this be the last time you talk to me when you see me. I'm good with who I'm with and I mean that. So she laughs and then grabs his face and kisses him. And then you hear Power say, oh, shit. So he looks over and he can see Cameron out the corner of his eye. And he warns Dana, like, you know, you better get out of here. And she's like, why? And next thing you know, Cameron has a handful of Dana's hair and she's about to punch her. But she stops her head, uh, her hand and just like basically swings that bitch to the side. And she's like, so that's what we doing now? We kissing, we kissing bitches like you don't belong to me? And he's like, man, she kissed me. I was telling her I was good where I was at, but she wasn't catching the hint. And obviously, your ass wasn't throwing it hard enough. It's like, why are you talking to her? Why are y'all even that close where she can kiss you? And he's like, man, just calm down and let me explain. Nah, fuck that. Fuck you. Fuck that bitch. I should have beat both of y'all asses. I can't believe you got me out here looking like a fool. I trusted you. And Cameron turns to walk away, and he's like right on her heels, begging and pleading for her to listen and you know he grabs her hand but she pulls it away and she's like man I don't want to hear that you promised me that you wouldn't play me and he's like you he grabs her hand again and she lets him hold it this time and she's like you know that's who been blowing me up all this time and she calls herself trying to get closure and I wanted to give it to her but you know nothing else happened and he's like, you know, you can ask power. That was all her. I am not cheating on you. And Cameron starts crying and he wipes her tears away saying, I'm sorry you had to see that. But trust me when I say I don't want to have anything to do with her or anyone else. And she's like, man, quit kissing me. We're going to have to wa wa uh, excuse me, wash your lips with soap. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have even hugged her. Yeah, because that bitch don't deserve closure. Who needs uh, closure from uh, having sex and spending some money? So anyway, he's like, you know, let's go home. I know you mad and all, but that was sexy as hell. And he's like, man. <laughs> I mean, she's like, man, whatever. Um, But what is this? <laughs> Messed myself up. He's like, man, let another bitch kiss you. And both of y'all going to get fucked up next time. He's like, you know, I believe you. Trust me. I have no need for anyone else as long as I have you. And she's like, you know, why? How? You bring out the man and the God in me. <sighs> you ever had a nigga tell you he you bring out the God in him? I need a woman like that. Even though your ass gave me the hardest time in life, what we have now is chill as hell. You got a nigga re-evaluating life. My goals. Got me thinking about leaving the game earlier than I planned and going back to school. And not because you're forcing it down my throat and nagging me about it. But because you accept me as I am and you're waiting for me to be better on my own. That makes a nigga want to be better. And it's like true. I get what he's saying. But anyway. So Cameron is leaving the gym and she's heading to get a smoothie. When a man sits next to her and, you know, she looks at him and, you know, he's giving off a bad vibe. And so he's like, you just going to look and not speak. But it's like, nigga, you sit next to me and you all up in my grill. Can I help you? But anyway, she says hi and she's grabbing her phone 
preparing to stand up and leave. And the guy says, don't move, Cameron. It's like, hold on, nigga, how you know my name? And he tells her, you know, I know your man. And she's like, oh, so what's your name? I'll tell him I ran into you. Marcel, I'm going to give him my message personally, though. And you're going to help me do that. How? You're coming with me. She chuckles and stands up like, nigga, you got me fucked up. And he shows her the gun in his waist and he pulls it out and puts it on his lap and tells her to sit down again. He's like, now we can do this one or two ways, which is she leaves willingly and comes to his warehouse or he's going to, excuse me, or he's going to put a gun to her head and a bullet flying through her mom's because he has someone sitting outside her house right now. So one phone call and her mom is dead. And she's like, I don't know what you got on, got going on with Rue, but my mama got nothing to do with it. He was like, well, it's up to you to make sure she stays alive. So easy or hard. Easy. And he tells her, you know, slide me your phone. And they go outside and get in the car. And he has three other men inside the car as well. So he took her phone and he calls Rule. And Rule answers, of course, thinking it's her like, hey, baby. And Marcel speaks and says, baby is busy right now. I want to talk to you. And so, you know, of course, Rule's like, man, you touch your hair on her head. He's like, cancel your threats. I don't want her. I want you. And I want to make sure I have your attention. So he's like, what do you want? But Marcel, like, he won't talk right now. He's like, I'll call you tonight with further instructions. So Rule is like, man, let her go. She ain't got nothing to do with this. He's like, I just want you to know I mean business. So I'll call you later. And Rule says, you know, fine. But when you see me, you better kill me. And he lets them talk and Cameron tells him you know I want you to remain calm you don't think straight when you're upset and it's like girl how do you expect me to remain calm knowing that this nigga has you I'm about to fuck this whole city up and she's like you know please just relax I'm fine I'm gonna be fine I can handle myself just remain calm and level-headed so he promises to get her out of this and Marcel snatches the phone and ends the call and so Rule is at Power and L's house, mad as shit. He's like, I need Marcel's address, his parents' address. I want family members' addresses. I need the address for the doctor that caught this nigga out of the womb. You talking about holler. Man, I was crying. But anyway, he's like, man, I'm about to lose my cool. I'm trying so hard to remain calm and at ease. But the more time passes... And Elle grabs his hand and pulls him into the living room. And Elle looking at her like, I really don't have time. Like, what is it? And she tells him, you know, there's something that you need to know. So basically, um, Cameron's stepfather was one of the biggest connects in Memphis before he left. And the reason he left, because he became a wanted man. And the only person that knows where he is, is Cam. And she's she's his connect now so she's been funding him while he's been on the run and nobody expects it to be her because before he left him and Cameron's mom got a divorce so she was tired of the cheating and lying and you know he valued money and power above his family and loyalty 
And so he's been on the run for six years. He reached out to her and put her in contact with his supplier in Miami. So ever since then, Cameron has been the middleman between Anthony and his supplier. The supplier ships the product here to Cam and Cam distributes oh excuse me, distributes it. I can get my words together for Anthony. And so when she gets the money, she takes her cut and then she sends the rest to Anthony. And Rule is like, so who is the supplier? He's, she's like, I just wanted you to know so you can be a little bit more at ease. Cammy, the average chick, she knows what she's doing and she needs you to remain focused and think clearly so you can help her. And he's like, so why didn't she tell me all of this? Nobody knows this. And the only reason why Elle knows is because she happened to be with her one weekend when she had to make a drop. And I'm still trying to understand that because I have dropped Elle off ass somewhere and been on my merry little way. Like, my business is my business. And so she tells him, you know, we can't have you running around here like a loose cannon. I want her back as bad as you do, but you need to calm down. And you can't go on a killing spree while he has her. You do that when we get her back. He's like, you know, I know she's a strong woman. She's my woman, and she, but she's still just a woman. So, you know, this is my fault, and I got to fix it. And, you know, um, it's five minutes after nine, and Marcel was supposed to call at nine, so he's stressing out even more. He grabs a blunt and go outside. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's thinking, you know, Cameron is a connect. And that explains why she accepted who he was and isn't trying to change him because she's in the business herself. So, you know, she understands. And then he thinks, you know, has Marcel been using rule to get to Cameron all along? So then he asks Elle when he goes back inside, you know, what's Anthony's last name? So he does a Google search, pulling up his profile on America's Most Wanted. And he's like, you know, I need to talk to him. And she's like, why? But nobody know how to, knows how to get in touch with him but Cam. So it's just like, I can't help you out there. You're going to have to talk to him some other type of way. But anyway, Marcel finally calls. And Rule is like, you know, just tell me where you are and what you want. I want your life for hers. And he's like, you know, okay, fine. What's the address? And Marcel gives him the address or like a street to go down and tells him he'll give the exact address when he pulls up to where he is. And so the entire time that Cameron has been at the warehouse, Marcel has been trying to force her to know information that she has no idea about. And it's just like, why do you think she knows about rules operation? They really just got together. She wouldn't know any of that. But Marcel also tells her, you know, I know that you're Anthony's stepdaughter and he wants to know if she's his connect. And she's like, she doesn't say anything. She just sits back and ignores the question. He's like, I already know you are. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he tells her, you know, you're my key to killing two birds with one stone. I want Memphis. I want Anthony and Rule's territory. And this pisses Cameron off. She's like, you're going through all of this for some streets and corners? Basic ass nigga. You want to take somebody's territory? Up your product. Get a different grade. Buy them niggas out. You don't fucking kidnap a woman and try to use her as leverage. That's some bitch ass shit. And how do you think you're going to get away with killing Rule? Do you not know who he is? Who his family is? 
My second in command has strict orders to kill them off one by one should anything happen to me after this switch is complete. I'm tired of the Onans running Memphis. It's time for someone new to take over, and that's going to be me. And so Cameron like switches up her strategy and says, wait, is there some way we can work this out? I don't want him to die because of me. Well, that's going to happen regardless. Think smart, Marcel. If you kill Rule, that will have niggas coming at you from all sides. Is that a battle you really want to start? Let me help you get out of this with your life. I do have a plan B. Should I need to execute it? I need 40 keys from you, $100,000, and a clear path out of Memphis. It's like, nigga, who do you think I am? 40 keys? That's $80,000 in the streets. I don't have that just around my house. And he tells her, you know, if you want to secure Rue's life, those are my terms. Terms. How can I trust that you won't come back to Memphis and try to keep me on a leash? I'm a man of my word. And that's supposed to mean something to me. If you want Rule to walk out of here, it should. And so Rule, Power, Yancey, and he has seven other men with them walk into the uh, warehouse. But the second that Rule lays his eyes on Cameron, he reaches for his gun, but Power stops him. He's like, man, don't, don't shoot. Just stick to the plan. So, you know, he's like, I'm here now. What's going on? And Marcel makes him back up. And at first, Rule wasn't going to do it. But Cameron is like, please just listen to him so we can get this over with. And she turns to Marcel and says, you know, do we have a deal? And then Marcel looks at her and says, I don't think so. Go kiss your man goodbye. And she's like, why are you not thinking about this clearly? Like, really think this through. And Rule pulls out his gun and aims it at marcel but then multiple guns are uh, cocked simultaneously and he looks around and sees five men that he don't know plus his own crew and this is the time where he want to ask her you know why didn't you tell me about anthony and she's like can we talk about this later and he says you know there might not be a later and Cameron looks at Marcel and asks, you know, who is your second in command? And he's like, man, I'm not telling you that. And so Rule grabs her arm and tells her, you know, you need to leave with power. And she's like, I'm not leaving you here alone. He's like, trust me and do as I say, okay? I love you. And I hate that because it's like, please don't, don't let the first time you tell me you love me be in a situation where we both could possibly die. You should have told me beforehand. But anyway, um... Power grabs Cameron's arm and she's like, man, let me go. I'm not leaving him here alone. But Power tells her, you know, trust your man. And she nods okay and the, t uh, the door is open and everyone looks as Diana enters the warehouse. And so Cameron's like, what the fuck is she doing here? Diana, didn't I tell you not to come until I called? And this is Marcel talking. He's like, why do you have a uh, she says, why do you have a gun on the rule? You told me he wouldn't be hurt. You told me that she was going to cooperate. And if not, she was going to be the one to die, not rule. You working for this nigga? And Diana says, I don't work for him. He works for me. I let him hit a couple times. Now his head gone. He was supposed to get Anthony's territory from her and convince her to take, wait, to talk you out of yours and let business be business. And so Diana steps to Marcel and says, what are you doing? 
what am I doing? No, what are you doing? You were never supposed to have sex with him. You were never supposed to catch feelings for him. You were supposed to play him, get in and out. But since you don't know how to handle your business, I'm going to make sure he's out of the way permanently. No, wait. You said you were going to cut that deal with me. 40 keys and 100 stacks in, in exchange for his life. And this is news to Diana because she's like, wait, you were going to sell me out, go behind my back and cut a different deal? That wasn't what we agreed upon. So Diana rushes out quickly as she pulls her gun and aims it at Marcel. I knew I shouldn't have trusted you. So Marcel extends his gun and Rule pulls his. Power shoots his and Cameron leaps towards Rule. So Marcel's bullet connects with Cameron's back. But Power uh, bullet connects with Marcel's skull. And so Rule grabs Cameron and pulls her behind a large bin, you know, as the gunfire starts. Diana tries to make a run for it, but Power shoots her in the knees, stopping her. And he tells Rule, you know, you got to call 911, <laughs> call 911 and get her an ambulance. And I need to get Diana out of here, you know, to make sure she's straight. We need her. If they have eyes on our folks, like they say, She's more beneficial alive than dead. And Rule is stuck. He's like, she... Did she... She really just took a fucking bullet from me, man. And so, you know, he's trying to keep her eyes open and keep her here with him. And her eyes flutter as she tells him, you know, I love you too. And she can barely speak. But he's like, you know, Cameron, baby, please... And there's no response. He checks her pulse. Her heart is faintly be uh, beating. And Rule kisses her once more before laying her body on the floor and going back into the gunfire. So Power crept back in just in time to see Rule uh, walking directly into the barrage of bullets. And he's calling out Rule's name. And that is the end of the first book. And I hope to see you guys back tomorrow for part two. Peace and blessings, my beautiful people.